breakages, borer and botched DIY repairs. He's seen it all at his studio in the Manawatu where he trades as good as new. In the next in our occasional series of interviews with repairers and restorers, today I'm in conversation with antique furniture restorer George Keenan. He's a third-generation craftsman, having learnt many of his skills from his father and grandfather in the UK, as well as on the job. He sent us photos for a gallery that you can find on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash only, and this includes his remarkable array of heritage hand tools. Well, I asked George about his move to Aotearoa and learning to repair furniture made from native timbers. Yes, beautiful stuff. And uh, the people who came across to New Zealand, and it's now third or fourth generation, it becomes a real valuable heirloom for them, you know, and they want it restored. And like all furniture, over a period of time, it all needs TLC. Of course it does, you know. And of course, you also have this thing, uh, the good old New Zealand borer. Say you've got a Queen Anne leg that is absolutely infested, I just simply just burn it and make a new one. If it's not too bad, what you can do, you can buy a little spray can with little tiny nozzles on it, you know. And you have to simply just go around and inject every single hole. People just paint stuff on the top. You know, put on, paint some creosote and this sort of stuff or, or kerosene. It doesn't work because the, the borer is inside the timber, not on the surface. Once, once you've cured the borer, you can then, you, you can fill the holes and disguise it to a certain degree, but you certainly wouldn't uh, attack it with sandpaper, never ever. What would be one of the oldest and most precious pieces of furniture, George, that you've worked on, either overseas or here? I've got one in my workshop right now, which is a, came from a museum, which is a 17th century Dutch piece, and that is absolutely beautiful. Very heavily hand-carved, and it's a big old bureau. That's rather nice. You know, it is beautifully done, and I'm busy restoring that at the moment. Why does it need restoration? Oh, because, well, first of all, it's 17th century. It's been stored in a, a damp cellar for a number of years, and it's just got warped and twisted, and, and, uh, and of course, then the board gets into it. And it's just, it's, it's fully rotting away, and somebody's come across this, they've grabbed it, and it's brought to me. And it's worth about, I don't know, 45, 50 grand. It's a beautiful piece of furniture, and very, very rare. And I'm just restoring that piece by piece. When it leaves your workshop, George, is the idea that it looks as near as possible to new and perfect, or is the fact that it is several hundred years old important to be reflected and you leave some marks that maybe you could erase but tell the story of its life? You know, that is a very good question, and that really is, because what a lot of people do do is the over-restore furniture to the point it looks like brand new, and that isn't the point of, you know, of restoration. You know, it's only looking brand new. Like, I did a big roll-top desk, an 18th-century roll-top desk in the Auckland lately, and in it were some cigar burns that her grandfather had put in, and she wouldn't have taken out. And I tried to talk her out of it. And in the end, we settled on a couple of miles where I dulled them down, but they remained. Because that is part of the history. Of the fact that she's a grandfather is part of the history of... Of the furniture, it's only looking brand new. Like, I never use varnish. It's always like shellacs or oils, you know. I never use varnish because varnish is a modern-day finish. So uh, I don't use that, you know. So, But that is a good question, that, because never, ever restore to the point where it looks brand new. You devalue the whole thing. But secondly, it, it just doesn't look right. But it's all part of the history of the piece, isn't it? Well, it is exactly right. And, of course, being up close and personal with this furniture, George, as you are, you get to admire the craftsmanship of these early pieces. And that, I imagine that maybe there are times that takes your breath away, maybe the carving 
or or something in the piece um, that's just utterly beautiful. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a, an 18th century little stool, and it came from the Scotland Islands. It's up in the Scotland, I believe, and uh, I've just been restored. And the, and the hand carving on that is absolutely fabulous. It's, it's a joy. You know, I look at some of these pieces, you think, you know, should I be should I be charging them or should be charging me? It's just a sheer joy of working on a piece and bringing it back to its former glory. I can't think of anything more fulfilling than doing that. Uh, some of the other repairers, restorers I've been talking to have stories of the heartbreak of the people who bring in either, you know, a, a smashed violin or a smashed doll or a, or a teddy bear that's all but wrecked. Uh, when you have the, the antique furniture brought in, what are a couple of the stories um, and, and the emotions that have swirled around these pieces, you know, when the, when the owners have talked you through it? Well, I've, I've had ladies in tears. <laughs> Bringing pictures in and tears when they take it away again. One one lady, this guy who was a, a house guest for a few days, uh, was drunk and he fell and he smashed this beautiful flip top table, just just destroyed it. He kicked me in a carrier bag. This thing, um, I think he must have been quite a big big guy. And and she says, you know, what can you do? And that took uh, a long time, but we got it together again. We got it together again. But the hardest part I find is. When timber is too too badly broken, it's getting period timber to match. And so what I do, I go around all the op shops and I buy all the old timber headboards, which is a great supply of timber for me, and I use them. You see, but she she, she was thrilled with a flip top and then because it was all very inlaid. You see, and all, and that had all been smashed as well. It was a it was a dreadful dreadful mess. I was just when thinking a table that... comes to you in a carry bag, you've got to start wondering. <laughs> I bet, I bet they're a bit sheepish sometimes, people, when they explain what happened, hey? It's a challenge, and you never stop learning. My grandfather said to me one day, since you just get good at this game, and then you die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you never stop learning. And you don't stop learning, you know. It, it absorbs me. It really does. What about new materials? I mean, you, you mentioned that you don't use varnishes, but what about things like... Yeah. Glues? Are you using traditional glues, or are there new glues well, that are actually it, it better? It depends. It depends. If you if you work for say say you don't work for a museum, you know, for agency, then there's very strict rules on, on museum work, and they have to use the old animal scotch glues and that sort of thing, you know, and old hand cut nails. There's two different lines of thought regarding uh, museum work. See, the thing is, people think, well, put it this way: they say that you're only allowed to restore one third, because any more than that, store in the original. If you restore over half, you're actually creating a fake, I think. If you need to fix it, fix it. And so there's two different lines of thought on that. But the thing is, the customer uh, has the final say. It's their furniture, not mine. When people move, that's not an uncommon way for furniture to be damaged. Uh, and I also uh, mentioned that the, the earthquake, the flood and the fire damage, because we live on shaky aisles and yes. flooding and fire are, are a constant um, risk. So do you get many cases of those? Well, not so much uh, uh, fire, look, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to say. Um, certainly a lot of uh, moving people uh, have damaged it. I did a good one for a lady in Fielding, where they had a dinner party. It's a big old dining table, lovely big old thing. And they went into the next room for, for cocktails, and the cat knocked the candle over and burnt the big hole in the middle of the table. That was a damaged one, a fire damage, if you like, they're nearly fixing. What's your favourite wood to work with? I would have to say probably mahogany. 
It's a lovely finish, followed by oak, but mahogany because it's such a rich depth to it, you know, and it's so easy to work with. And the spell is just beautiful. You mentioned that big piece that you've got in your workshop. If you and I were chatting at your workshop, George, at the moment, what else, what other projects have you got on the go at the moment? Any other challenging ones? Yes, I'm just doing a little uh, little 18th century boudoir chair where it needs all the cane, you know, the caning seat. That's, that's all broken away. So that's getting refixed right now. I've just finished a Shetland table. I've got a lovely Georgian big deep armchair, post and casters. That's a real honey that arrived today. What's the problem with it? It's been sat and sat on to the point where it's just worn right through. All the leathers just perished and, and wore away. It's probably sat in the sunshine for a certain degree, and the sun's given it a bit of hiding. And that just needs a full restoration. But um, it's still a beautiful piece. It's very comfy to sit in at the moment. But I have my cup of tea. This is my sitting chair. <laughs> <laughs> you said a, a Shetland table. What's that? I'm thinking, the, you know, the Shetland Isles, of course. But what's a Shetland table? It's like a sort of a very... A very heavily carved piano stool, if you like, with a flip-top lid. It's, it's got an English rose in the centre, very heavily carved. It's a beautiful thing. And I just, I just French polished that. So are you an expert carver? Is that one of the skills that you had to master quite early? Uh, well, wow, wow. That's quite a claim, expert. A furniture restorer isn't really an expert in anything. It's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. You've got to be a cabinet maker, a French polisher, a carver, a veneer and layer. You've got to be a wood turner. So it's, it's a vast array of stuff you've got to do. So you can't claim you're an expert in any of them, you know. And what you have to be, of course, is a historian. Like somebody says to me, I've got a queen on table. You've got to know what a queen on table looks like. You can't just sort of have a guess or, or rush to the index book. You've got to, you've got to know a little bit about it, you know. And so you, you've got to know your periods too. So I wouldn't say be an expert in anything, to be honest. You've got such a, such a vast array of, of skills you need. Is there a, a defined time frame for what is now an antique piece of furniture? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, I've been around for more than, you know, half a century. So, so something that wasn't antique 50 years ago may now be considered antique. What's the kind of, what is the, the, the age frame these days? Well, yeah, that, that varies too. You see, the thing is, for something to be classed as qualified as an antique, it's got to be 100 years old. Simple as that. It has to be. And then they can say, okay, these classes of antique. It doesn't make it valuable. It just makes it old. You know, like you know, pedal singer saw machines are now antique, but they're everywhere. You know, people's got them everywhere. So therefore, it doesn't make them valuable. And the timbers vary. Most of the stuff um, nowadays is actually veneered. So they use a cheap timber and they put a quality timber over the top as, as a way of making uh, a lot of good quality timbers uh, go a lot further. So um, how an antique could be valuable is first of all on its construction on his condition, and on his rarity. After the war, and this sort of, a lot of mass-produced stuff came out, you know, with like, like pedal saw machines. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're, they're plentiful, and so therefore they're worth it. Like china cabinets are plentiful, worth a little. Is there a piece of furniture, George, that you would give anything to be able to, to work on, that maybe one you haven't seen before in person, but one if, if they brought it through the shed doors for you, your heart would simply melt? <laughs> well, they're all beautiful in their own way. Some guy came to see me and he had a, a Tudor piece, you know. It was fairly simple, construction-wise, but just the, the age of it really, really appealed to me, you know. And I, I just loved it. And I'd love to have kept that piece. I really would have, you know. Because Tudor period is eight 
1685 to 1603, so it's quite a, quite a long period for Tudor, but it, um, that was a lovely piece. But he, he was going to give that to a museum, which I thought was a lovely thing to do. So he was fully restored it and gave it to the museum. What condition was it in? I'm assuming this is in the UK. What condition was it in? Uh, uh, the condition wasn't too bad, actually, because what had happened was his family had, had, had a big old uh, manor house, and this was one of the, the attic rooms for the last 100 years hadn't been used. And the manor house was sold to, as a big old guest home. It was going to be like a retirement village home type thing. And they had to clear the furniture out. And they, he found it, this guy. He didn't know it was even there. He found it, you know, and um, did some research, found out what he was, brought it to me, and we restored that, and he went to a museum. And after that, it was a really nice thing to do that. And, and so now everybody can enjoy it, rather than stuff in my front room. When I was talking to the, um, the the Dolls Hospital nearby you actually in Palmerston North in Manawatu, I heard about it. I, heard, I listened yeah. to it. Yeah, that, well, they were they were saying that the after the repair shop and I guess perhaps also the lockdowns when people had been going through stuff, you know, they they found that there'd been something of a surge of people coming in to get their their toys, their dolls and uh, prams, everything like that um, repaired. What about you? Have you found that people are maybe re rethinking in this throwaway age of ours um, that maybe they, sh- they should preserve uh, an heirloom. Anything like that's got to, it's got to be good for furniture. I wouldn't say it's increased my business flow at all, but I think what it has done, it's, it's created a lot of awareness of, of what the furniture in the, in the back shed is actually worth. And one of my biggest problems is telling people that it isn't worth fixing, and that is always a bit of a heartbreak to tell people, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that the repairs were three times, but it's, unless it's got a set amount of value, don't waste your money. I know that's bad business, turn people away, but I, I tend to do that, you know. So do not do not waste your money fixing this because it's never going to be a value. It's never going to be flash. And it just isn't that nice. Unless you've got a, unless you've got great grandmothers and you're very fond of it or whatever, then don't bother. And so a lot of people buy stuff from trade me, take it to antique, bring it to me, and I'm saying, sorry, mate. Antique Furniture Restorer George Keenan from Good As New in the Manawatu. We have his contact details on our webpage as well as a photo gallery and we'll put the full interview up there for you too.